0: We are helping owners create cash flow and pay down their mortgage while our guests feel like a millionaire for the time that they stay with us. It's no secret that focusing on others outcome ultimately leads to more income for you and your company. Welcome to the Good Endeavor Short-Term Rental Show. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Good Endeavor Short-Term Rental Show. I'm your host, Mark McDaniel. And with a lot of fanfare and a lot of recommendations, I I welcome Dr. Rachel Gainsborough to the show today. She has an incredible background. She's actually a medical professional, a doctor by day, and she operates 18 luxury short-term rental properties um, in the evening. She's a 24-7 mom, and she's also into this midterm rental business that she was kind of telling me before the show. So I can't wait to learn more about that. Rachel, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Mark, for having me. I cannot tell you how honored I am to be here with you and for you taking the time and energy to share amazing content with the short-term rental and community worldwide. So thank you. Thank you for putting this amazing podcast
0: together. Oh man, I have been loving it. I've been loving it. We're still kind of young, but I've I've been loving it because I get to meet folks like you every day, and it's um, what I love about podcasting is it's like you ask questions that you wouldn't normally ask on a first meeting with people, and so it's just it's super fun. Um, but Rachel, like we were talking before the show, and so you live down in Georgia today, right? Yes, mm-hmm. right above Atlanta. Did yeah. you grow up around? the The Atlanta area? No,
1: actually, um, I was born in Haiti, raised in the inner city of Miami, and you know, I grew up in a faith based environment. Went to church, went to school. Those are my two things, and really, my family instilled into me uh, not only um, you know going out and being a go getter, but also being someone who had philanthropy in my heart. And so, I've always had a passion. Uh, to help others. And so grew up in Miami, went on, got the doctorate. I really didn't want to take uh, my parents' sacrifices in vain. So I still have that thought process of, oh my goodness, you know, I could have been that girl, right? Who was in Haiti, left in Haiti and just, you know, our pa- our family, would just feel so honored and so privileged to be in this country. And so for better or worse, all that's going on, i still feel like this is, the greatest country in the world and you could definitely make an impact you know by reframing whatever is going on and and just looking at the opportunity that you have at hand got on got the doctorate yay we got a doctorate but it came with a hefty amount of student loans uh financial literacy was not a part of our vocabulary growing up because there weren't really a lot of finances to literate upon uh to say the least yeah. Yeah. And so just was really grateful to have, um, you know, gone past that. It was
0: really a struggle, but we found real estate and that made the biggest difference to our lives. That is amazing. So your folks, were they in real estate or were they entrepreneurs at all?
1: No, not at all. So in Haiti, my dad was a professor, a math professor. He taught me all the way up to pre-calculus. And then he said, you're on your own.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: My mom was a nurse midwife. And so it was healthcare and education was their background.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you're the perfect child come out of that. So, <laughs> so from Haiti to Miami, how old were you when when that happened? I was six
1: years old when that happened. And when mom and dad, they got here, they couldn't, you know, retain their same uh, status or their careers because of the language barrier. So they essentially had to start from scratch. And so they never practiced their craft here in the United States. They actually ended up working in factories, um, you know, manufacturing, driving a taxi, you know, just getting paid minimum wage. And they raised four kids on minimum wage. I just And minimum wage, Mark, was like
0: three. They were telling me three and four dollars an hour. That's crazy. Um, You know what I love about immigrants is they like, it's like you don't have the fear. Like the folks who grow up here and who are naturalized like generation after generation after generation, there's a little bit more entitlement and immigrants just make a go for it. Like you guys just, and I don't, I don't mean to lump everybody into one group. But I do have a decent amount of immigrant friends who are just they just go and they just make things happen. And I i love that.
1: Yeah, there's there's this um, I would say, you know, of course, we can't lump, but there's an appreciation, right? There's like I could have starved to death, like literally not even this is not metaphor speak like literal starving to death true story full stop and so that is why my passion is um with uh the short-term rentals and I go into the luxury space and midterm rentals I'm always looking for where is it that I can get that that ROI because uh the numbers matter to me uh, I have women that we put through medical medical school in Haiti. We're looking to purchase an island to hold luxury retreats and the profits and proceeds goes towards um, uh, building an orphanage that's sustainable so that the children will raise their own crops and have their own livestock. That is my vivid vision. And so the opportunity is here. Like, where else? Like, who's going to feed my kids in Haiti and who's going to put the, the women through med school and where else, you know, will I have this opportunity? So it's, it's, it's so
0: much bigger than me. It's, oh man, I love, I love this. Um, I have a friend who always says that gratitude is like the WD-40 on the hinges of the heaven gate, heaven's gates. It's like, it makes them swing open even easier because there's so much, I mean, and you come from such a background and I'm I'm just in admiration that you just have this strict gratitude. And now it sounds like you've kind of committed your life to creating as much, not to not to give yourself well, but to present that opportunity for other folks. Is that am I on the right wavelength there? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that is what
1: lights me up, right? You can only you know treat yourself so much that it's like, okay. Right. So it's it's creating opportunity for others who didn't have opportunity. That lights me up. That's like I'll jump out of bed for that, you know, and I don't know what it is about it. Even in our coaching program, when I see I pray that the members of our community win harder than I've ever won, get better deals than I have ever found. And when I see it, I am dancing I'm like you're more excited for them than you are for you. And I that's love that the way I was, I guess <laughs> God put me together this way for a reason, but it excites me. It just completely li- lights me up. So I don't know why, but it does. And I just want more of that energy in my
0: life. That's wonderful. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the way we were all made. Like, have you ever, have you ever noticed? And, and I promise I'm going to get into the X's and O's of short term rentals. but have you ever noticed when you just put in a really good day's work and you help, people that you just feel I think God made us that way we just feel satisfied at the end of the day whereas a day where you cut corners and you're lazy about things and you skip the line you kind of feel empty like we're made to feel that way and so the more we can fill up other people's buckets the more we'll be filled up it's almost like the most selfish thing we can do
1: absolutely absolutely and just to have the opportunity to create businesses where we can help others. It's like, oh my gosh, it's, yeah,
0: it's amazing. I love, that's so cool. You've got the heart of a teacher. I love that. So, all right. So you graduate medical school, you're a full-time medical professional. You're, you're probably on cloud nine at this point. Like, you know, one of the, one of the first in in your family to, to kind of do this. So that's super cool. Tell me about short-term rentals. Like Like why, why add on to something that's already so successful?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so to be clear, it was pharmacy school. So my doctorate is in pharmacy, the PharmD. Yeah, so graduated, you know, making the big bucks, you know, thinking I'm going to live the best life ever, you know, coming from $0 to doing a residency at the VA, getting some dollars and then, you know, then elevating to um, getting you know my big girl job ninety two thousand dollars a year <laughs> right it's like whoa back in uh, uh, in two thousand and seven I'm thinking okay I have ha- I've got it made I'm gonna buy the big house the big car all the things it's time to treat yourself it's time to treat myself oh my goodness did not understand the first thing about taxes. <laughs> about debt about cuz I hadn't had really any debt um that or consumer debt I had the student loans and those payments were not due anytime soon so I'm like I'm going to live the best life life ever got the big car got the house a big old house we built and we're going to live it up well come 2008 things were tough you know finding good work for my husband that was tough to start out he's a psychotherapist And the housing crisis was happening and we had another property in Florida. We'd moved to Georgia to um, uh, work on a clinic. We were doing blood pressure clinic, all that. So Mm -hmm. fast forward through that time, we actually had to take a step back and really look at, you know, what our financial picture looked like. There's nothing like um, having a reality check. And, And that's when we realized, hmm we're in trouble. We're literally in trouble. When your student loan uh, bills are 5X your mortgage, <laughs> that's when you realize, hey, wait a second, you're in trouble. Wow. And so jumped on the Dave Ramsey bandwagon, did oh, financial peace. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Started paying out debt. day. We sold everything but the kids, you know, moved into a smaller apartment just to, you know, make sure that, we were able to um, add some margin to our lives, and and so quickly um, we were able to make some great uh, progress. And during that time, towards the end of that time, I'm always I'm a future pacer. I'm always looking like what what's going to be next, because yes, we're getting the debt down to zero. We're we're looking good, but I've always been um, I would say kind of you know obsessed with real estate, you know? So we're like, okay, so how are we going to generate revenue so that it's great, the debt, it's great. We don't have the debt, but we we don't have savings, right? How do we accelerate
0: our savings? What's going to be the next best thing? So what year is this when you're kind of, you're reaching the end of some debt pay down, you're going to do the debt-free scream. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) right? um, What year is this when when you're considering real estate?
1: So this was around 2016. Um, I want to say 2014, 2015. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. 2013, 2014, 2015. Um, we were looking around. We're still renters. We're renting an apartment at that point. We want to purchase our own home, and then we want to start investing. We're looking at everything, Mark. We're looking at cryptocurrency. We're looking at all the things. I just didn't understand what they were. NFTs. I was like, I don't know what any of this stuff is. But I know what real estate is. I can feel it. I can touch it. It's real, right? I can touch the walls. I get that. So that's why we ventured into real estate.
0: Okay. So your first, your first piece of real estate, where was it? What did it look like? Tell me a yeah. little bit about yeah, and tell me a little bit about that.
1: Okay. So um when we had sold our home, took the boys out of private school, went to public school. In a in a school district that had um, you know resources and was a little bit of a better school district. Right. Uh, this was in Fayette County, Georgia. Our first home we purchased was our primary residence. We used um, a first time home buyers loan because it had been a while since we'd purchased, and then we um, fixed it up. We we lived there. And after a few years, we moved out, and then we turned that into a rental. We purchased okay. another rental in that same market as well. And that's pretty much how we started uh, the, uh, the path to uh, really investing in luxury short-term rentals, and that was in 2018. Wow. And so did your home
0: become a short-term rental, or was it a long-term rental first?
1: No, we never did long-term rental. Yeah. We actually... Uh, had a short term rental, uh, a traveling um I would say she was a radiology specialist in a, uh, the guest suite on the side we had a separate interest. yeah, really sweet, the guest suite. and so she rented out there. The main house was being rented out by someone who's working in the area. So it was short term rental with a midterm rental component to it. And then it turned into the entire property, became a midterm rental for a family who are teachers in the local area, unfortunately their house had encountered a disaster um, and it it just caught on fire due to um, some type of electrical issue that occurred in the garage and had spread. And so they booked for one month with us and they ended up staying with us for 11 months because it took that long to get their house back
0: to uh, a state where they could, you know, move back in. Wow. So that's, That's super fascinating. We 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 kind of jumped into the short term rental market kind of on purpose, but it sounds like um, you just had a a a different kind of intentionality. Like you hear so many folks will move out of their home and use use it as a long term rental, but how you got into the short term rental market was basically through a like what you just described through a myriad of a of a couple events, and so. I love that. So tell me a little bit about, so now you're at 18 luxury rentals. Obviously, that's a big jump from you know, owning your first house and using it as a midterm rental to now 18 luxury rentals that you use midterm and, and short term. Tell me a little bit about how you got into the strict short-term market. And then obviously the midterm market is, I mean, I would say you're probably one of the, if not the preeminent expert around um, to to tell us about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so the numbers don't lie, right? And I'm really into the numbers. I spreadsheet out all of our deals. And so a recurring theme for me when I was initially analyzing, um, you know, a variety of markets was four plus bedrooms, five, six bedrooms were really, uh, the properties that were making the the greatest amount of revenue. And I wanted to identify which markets would fall within our budget. And so for us, um, being in proximity to a particular market was important at first. So we bought a portfolio of properties one at a time in our own market. And when we ventured out into just a strictly short-term rental market, the Poconos of Pennsylvania was definitely uh, a place that was meeting our budget. And at, and at the time, back in 2019, you can purchase, you know, a five bedroom property that needed some more for, you know, under 200000 and then under $300,000, we are finding quite a few properties as, as well. Uh, those prices have since gone up. But that market, if you understand exactly uh, the different uh, the different subdivisions, if you understand, what the regulatory constraints are if you understand the the quality of the specific asset whether it's kind of a log cabin A frame versus a traditional looking house in a subdivision like those numbers vary and if you understand how to really create an experience um you can really drive revenue without breaking the bank so we're not into um necessarily buying properties that are in the you know, $900,000 range. I'll say 700 and lower is the goal, but our portfolio consists of 450, 462 and lower. At the moment, we are building something that is that busts that budget for wide open, but today 462 is the number and I'm standing by it. And so the Poconos was one of those markets. We found a deal in Florida. And so a, a lot of it has come from, not just the numbers, but the networking with, you know, a community of individuals who are uh, doing the same thing that you're looking to do, you know, showing up, um, being in the room. Sometimes it, it costs something to be in the room, you know, other real estate masterminds, those kinds of things. We've had deals come through um, that way. And so that's really how we have framed our our short-term rental, growing it through um, our networking, our referrals—those uh, who know um, what we're up to—and so yeah. now, thankfully, we'll get leads just from you know people who just knowing what it is that we do. And as far as the midterm rental, uh, that's been really great uh, for us to be able to create uh, a meaningful revenue stream, working with those who are displaced from their home due to a disaster. So what a win-win. You get to help them, and then you get to make a really nice amount of revenue because it's paid by the insurance companies. But of course, you have to know how to negotiate and make sure you're getting uh, what that property deserves because you know they're going to want to uh, come in low, which is their responsibility to do. Right? They're the fiduciary, but I believe that as the fiduciary of your own business, you need to know what's available to you for. For those um, specific
0: claims. So I mean, obviously real estate has gone up nationwide. Um, I assume that insurance companies do, do they have, I mean, do they pay market rates or they just is it a, just a constant negotiation from the start when when they're when they're paying for a family in a displaced home, obviously now they're on the hook for rehabbing the home that has been lost. And they're also on the hook for providing housing um, in a like or, or better case scenario a lot of times, um, kind of moving forward. Are they just, is it is that tough? Is that a hard situation to, to work with the insurance companies? Or is it, you know, a couple back and forth and you've figured it out?
1: Well, here's what I know. I know that back in 2021, at the end of 2021, the insurance industry saw a surplus of $1.03 trillion at the end of 2021. So as it relates to them uh, paying for temporary housing versus paying for the renovation cost of a property, those are two separate buckets. And their coverages within their policy. Coverage A is the rebuild value, right? of the property, say the property is decimated down to a crisp, right? That doesn't always happen, but say that occurs, that coverage A, that allotment is, is right in there. And then if you go down to coverage D, that is your temporary housing allowance. Two separate okay. buckets. So I focus on tapping into D. the coverage D, okay? So a little bit more technicality there. Coverage D is usually around 20% to 30% of coverage A. So if the rebuild value of the structure, not the entire property, because you have depreci- depreciable, non-depreciable, so land yep. is not depreciable. So say you purchase a home for $500,000, the actual structure on that piece of land may be worth $400,000. That may be the rebuild value if you have to build it from scratch, right? Mm-hmm. So if coverage A is 400000 and I call it my rule of twenty-five. So twenty-five percent of that is uh what coverage D may be. So it's a hundred thousand dollars per year per claim is their allowance for short term, midterm rental
0: housing. And so I tap so, so. into that. If I'm a family getting displaced, I'm gonna know, hopefully, I'll know what coverage A and coverage D looks like. You're not gonna know. Like people not don't gonna, know, uh, right? Mm-mm.
1: Did but I would, would you I would know. be
0: upset with my insurance company if I thought that they're trying to kind of come in what my insurance covered. You know,
1: well, well, the thing is,
0: or you, they're not allowed the, to.
1: Yeah, the consumer's mindset is is interesting, and people have assumptions in their minds that mm-hmm. may not be in line with what the reality is. And it makes sense, though. Like for instance, I I've had homeowners say say to me, "Oh, my mortgage is." 2300 a month so obviously it's 2300 a month that i could spend on housing right because it makes sense to them and so the mortgage your mortgage has nothing to do that's a lender it has nothing to do with your insurance policy so to speak so it's really interesting the mindset and so most people they don't know they assume it'll be their mortgage or anything lower than that And so that's why it's important for you to educate yourself about this strategy. People don't know what their coverage is. So you as the host, you want to know like, okay, this is a market that the houses are worth such and such. And if they, you know, getting clues from the homeowner, well, oh, my gosh, what happened? How many bedrooms did you say? You start to get those clues. You're going to be empathetic, but you're looking for some of those context clues to say, oh, you know, a four bedroom in your market versus a two bedroom in your market. And you start to get a ball part of what that those coverage term limits are, and yeah. so that's how you can you know
0: negotiate really. That's fascinating. So <clears throat> let's just say I have a million dollar house, and over the past couple of years, the value of that house has gone up thirty percent. So from one million to one point three. Are you finding? So obviously that affects you know if if on coverage A, I, I'm trying to learn quick here on coverage A you're still only insured for a million bucks are our insurances keeping up with like over the past couple of years obviously we've seen a crazy increase in 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 values so are do you find that in, insurances are keeping up with that
1: no they're not unless you yourself you reach out to an insurance you say hey i just put in um you know New, you know, I just renovated the kitchen. So you need to increase the price. So you want to update your coverage based on, you know, what you believe that your property yeah. is worth. And of course, that's going to change your premiums. Uh, but no, they're not going to keep up with that themselves. So yeah. you want to you're going to make some loose associations and loose um estimations. It's not cut and dry. And then what, what I do with the members in the community is we go ahead and we look at some comps, you know, and comps can be other Airbnb and verbal listings and look at what those monthly rates are, look at those uh, occupancy, look at those availabilities, look at how amenitized those properties are, and we're going to compare and come up with our numbers. So we're not just going to you know, provide that number and that's it. We want to see what's the competition because the goal is, Mark, if they reach out to you, the goal is to provide them a, a quick and complete response. There's no back and forth. Yeah. The last thing you want to do is to go back and forth a whole bunch of times with this particular client they're not only dealing with the one-off client who has encountered this fire or water pipe that burst they're dealing with an entire national disaster or natural disaster like in maui or you know they're doing a lot so if you can provide them just one proposal with your terms all on one sheet and then they say let me send this over approved or "Mm, can you do something else and then you just have to weigh the benefits versus the risks if it's you know it's going to be an eight month stay if you're making you know your 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 monthly mortgage 3x that if it's worth it for you for you to go to the canary islands for a few months you know you might want to take that into consideration too so it's so it's objective but it's so subjective as well uh so yeah or if you feel like no i'm going to counter propose okay so we can move this lever or that lever or this lever, you know, to make it make sense still. But what my goal is, is to equip homeowners um, and investors to know that you can have uh, increased occupancy uh, and and decrease vacancy while helping someone in need in your community and still generate uh, a
0: profitable uh, amount of revenue as well. Yeah. We were talking a little bit before the show about some of this, and um, you know, if if you're if you're in the best neighborhood and you have the best amenities, you're not trying to buy a house necessarily in the best neighborhood, but you might be trying to buy it in the second or third tier neighborhood, but still have really good amenities, right? Because there's now but so many houses out there that might have like game machines and nice furniture and led tvs and a pool so you could do that in a neighborhood that maybe is a little bit less expensive and so that that's that becomes a strategy then right
1: yeah and so let me i'm gonna i'm gonna spill some tea for the community uh-huh. let me spill some tea i so,
0: wish i had some sound effects of, of tea yeah. <laughs> 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 i'm
1: about to spill some tea so the number the two top amenities mark that really drive the revenue and, and they're a game changer uh, for our properties. And they're the, I would say one of which is an amenity that only 30% of hosts are willing to offer. But yet 90% of this avatar needs is being pet friendly. They're, People don't want to be pet friendly. And I get it. I'm in the luxury space. I didn't start off with pet friendly. But after the eighth guest asks you about being pet friendly, you might want to listen. a clue. And ascertain how do we try
0: to make this happen right you got to think a large percentage of families have a pet right 2 <laughs> right and so they're willing
1: to pay like fufu has more priority over themselves people want to pay for their pets they're not going to board them up for eight months come on and guess yeah. what that is a revenue stream fufu has to pay Pookie has to pay everyone pays rent right and so you can drive the price point From that perspective, you look around your market, again, we're the only pet friendly thing in town. Wow. You get to own this market. So think about it. It's not something you can turn on overnight. You need buy in from your cleaning team. You need to make sure that you're looking at properties with hard surfaces that can be cleaned very easily. But being pet friendly, I know the resistance is there. I keep hearing it over and over again, and I keep getting people come back. Week after week, it's like, oh, you know, I'm not getting the bookings. I'm like, well, what is the audience asking for? Pet friendly? <laughs> I don't know what to say. I, I they they want pet friendly. They're telling yeah. you what they want. Why can't we get it together? We're so business in-
0: people. Yeah. So a fenced-in backyard like makes sense then too.
1: Yes. 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 Yeah. Ah, and and throw in, throw in a foosball table, throw in a game room. That's fine. But when I say amenities, they're looking for pet friendly. And then the second thing is to make you stand out from a crowd. I'm always looking for uh, a property that has a master bedroom on the main or that's on a, a slab. Uh, just just, you know, uh, a one story just because when it comes to accessibility, if you're the only one in town that's accessible and you've thought of these things, like come on let's go like there's not a lot of people thinking that way and and so that is the avatar i want to serve those who may have some of those limitations they may have an elderly family member or a child with a disability you want to make sure that that individual they're the ones that are the most like precious in that family wherever they go that person is the one that's going to be kind of the one that you need to look out for the most. And so yeah. the the family's willing to pay, the insurance willing to pay, like you're the only one that can accommodate this individual.
0: Yeah. Have you ever purpose built a property like this or do you, are you, are all of yours you just bought off on the market?
1: Yeah. So I'm always looking for something. We are in the process of building something right now on the beach and it will have some of those features. But no, I haven't built anything yet. It's not complete yet. But yeah. I, I love that process, that thought process. I think it's very important because, again, those are the individuals that are often. Um, I think they don't. We as, as hosts, we need to do a little bit of a better job of thinking of, of those uh, special uh, members of families who, who need a little bit more attention.
0: So would you spend as much on furniture and amenities for a midterm rental as you would a short-term rental?
1: Yeah. um, I I typically would just because you know what you want the higher quality contractor grade uh, Mm -hmm. furnishings because contrary to popular belief, um, you know, the midterm rental people think there's less wear and tear, but there's going to be some more wear and tear. And that's why I do collect a, um, a non-refundable deposit as well. Cause It's not going to be a one-day turnover. We're going to have to deep clean. We do clean monthly, but we're also going to have to deep clean. We're going to have to paint some, you know, scuffs on the wall every time. Mm -hmm. But again, these are some of the most low-maintenance guests that you're going to find. They just want to be in an area where they can go and check in. Did the contract show up? Is the house, you know, is the project getting done? Can I just drop my kids off to school and swing by? So the proximity to the subject property is important. But at the same time, it's going to be lived in, you know, the flimsy um, cookware is not going to be, it's not going to no, work. Sure. Whereas you can get get by with the short term rental. Potentially, if they're there just a couple nights, they're yeah. eating out, they're not really using the things, they're going to be using the things. But where I find that the operating expenses are reduced is that with the short term rental, it's like two or three nights, if something stops working, you got to get that plumber there right away and it could be weekend it could be nighttime you need them right away so you're paying that nighttime weekend premium versus with the midterm rental they're there for the next eight months it's like hey could you get me till monday so i'm not paying this premium yeah and it works out yeah
0: <laughs> give me an idea like um let's just say a five-bedroom house in your area is three thousand dollars a month for a long-term rental rate how much more is a midterm rental rate sixteen thousand dollars a month Oh wow, so considerable,
1: considerable. Yeah, ours that got featured on Netflix is six bedroom. We average about, um, we go from fifteen to twenty eight thousand, uh, depends depending right on the the scarcity in the market, but it averages around twenty one twenty two thousand a month. And what and is your the mortgage is twenty five and change twenty five hundred, and so. We had the good interest rates. So after um P I T I it's
0: tax uh we're at thirty one hundred a month. Man. <laughs> Sorry. You just hit me with that. That's great. That's that's way more than I thought it was gonna be. I thought you might say like eight. And so that's that's way more than I thought it was so going to be. So it
1: varies. So I'm like south of Atlanta in a, a little bit of a higher cost of living area. Well, I have a colleague that's near the city in Decatur. So their four bedrooms are around, um, are around eight for a okay. bedroom that's furnished. Yeah. So you're not and off, but it just depends on the cost of living of that
0: particular pocket of area. How many months a year might the average midterm rental sit empty?
1: Um, that's a great question. I haven't seen months. I've seen max so far 21 days. So I've built a community oh, wow. of uh, of midterm rental hosts because, and there's 260 of us in this community. Okay. So what I've seen uh, max so far is, is 21 days. And what I love about the strategy is it's a different, <laughs> excuse me, it's a much different vibe than a short term rental vibe. Right. When you're in that short term rental, it's like uh, the red ocean, the feeding frenzy. And and people are dropping their prices that you're like, don't drop it too low. It's it's a whole different vibe. It's with the midterm rental, the network, the network, your network is really your net worth. And the fortunes are in the follow up. I'm dropping some. Some cliches on you. No, so, this... so, so so bear with me, but your net Stand worth on those, yeah. is your net worth and the fortunes are in the follow up. So with your midterm rentals, if I'm fully booked, Mark, I tap into my little WhatsApp chat for my neighbors who are doing midterm rentals as well. Anyone has anything? This one just came up. Let's lock it down because the answer is yes. I never tell an insurance. Oh, I'm not. Occupied. Oh, they...
0: No. The answer is yes. Do you have? Yes, I have, <laughs> you know, and then uh, now you have, you have relationships with these insurance companies, I'm yeah. assuming.
1: So when they point. reach out because and they know to reach out to me and I tell them always reach out to me, I, I got you covered and that's how I stay booked, right? So you have to be willing to uh, go a little bit, you know, once they reach out to us, I will always say yes and I will reach out to them if I see that I'm going to have A vacate someone vacating in the next sixty days. Hey, don't forget, I'm here. If you need anything, you know I've got you covered. The answer is yes. I don't cold call. I know people cold call. I don't believe in cold calling. That's not my superpower, so I'm not going to do it. I don't want to build a business out of alignment with who I am. I've done that. It sucks. I'm not doing that anymore. (laughs) So, so when they reach out, the answer is yes, and I figure it out. And figuring it out is asking my neighbors who are also doing it in my market. If they're not actually rented a property out from someone who had a property that was vacant, that was a four bedroom that fit exactly um, what the insurance needed, they said they were willing to pay a premium. I said, "Is a premium like sixteen thousand premium?" They said, "Yes." I rented out for twenty six fifty a month, four bedroom. I got paid sixteen thousand. I rented it out for eighteen months. I could pay so- sixteen thousand. They booked for one month, extended for eleven months.
0: So you do arbitrage on this just like you would short-term rentals?
1: You Yeah. And I, that was my first arbitrage. I was like, I don't like arbitrage. I'm not doing arbitrage. Oh, yeah, homegirl. Never say never, right? That's the lesson I learned. I said, I guess we're arbitraging now because I'm not going to say no to the insurance company. And working a W-2 we never got paid 16,000 a month. There's no way I'm going to let this deal pass me by. And so we were able to help a family who encountered a water pipe that just completely burst from behind the fridge. And they were, they came back home to, you know, like an ocean. Yeah. So another family in need, you know, we were able to help them and put them in, in that property. And so it's been gangbusters since then. I mean, I absolutely love the strategy.
0: I love this. Like, this is, this is great. I love where your heart is, um, how you just want to help these families. And then, you know, you just profit from doing, from creating good service, from creating a good service out there. I think it's the great. The more
1: people you help, right? <laughs> yeah. And do the But, do the but again, the network, right? You, yeah. you want to tap into a network. You want to be a part of a network of people that you can say, hey, Mark, do you have anything because this family's in need, you know? So That's that's a different vibe. I love that vibe
0: too. Do you have any (laughs) this is gonna sound funny. Two questions. One is, does the family who's gonna live there, do they have to approve it, the house?
1: Yeah, they do. And so it's a process, um, that initial process, when I say the fortunes are in the follow up. So as soon as you're pretty much activated, you want to make sure you're staying on top of the communications. And part of the communications is, you know, you reaching back out to the agent. If they you haven't heard from them in 48 hours, say, hey, just want to make sure that, you know, you have everything you need. I'm getting a lot of inquiries, but I want to make sure I work with you. I got you covered because I know this family you know, I want to get this family in here if this is going to be a good fit. And they're like, oh my gosh, yeah, that's right. Cause they're scattered a lot of times. They then, you know, confirm that, yeah, I just got it back. The family's going to schedule with you and the family is going to tour the house. This is different from short term rental. The short term rental, the family wants to tour the house. They're like, oh, the answer is yeah. no. Midterm yeah, rental is right. yes, spot on. Yes, cause they're going to stay there even it if they look there. for one month mark. You know, in your mind, nothing no fire damage is going to be repaired in a month right so they start off looking for a month but then you give them the ability to extend month after month after month yeah i received 13 months of notice to extend which my favorite three words is notice to extend it's like yes (laughs) love it and so the family tours the property and you want to make sure that you know, the property is set up in a way that's going to be appealing to them. And then once they approve, they move in, the insurance cuts you a check. I like to receive mine every single month. Um, My partners and friends, they like to receive their lump sum, the full amount on the front end, you know, and then they go and buy another property, which is great for them. But I like to receive mine every single month. It's almost like,
0: royalty, the residual. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's kind of a built-in discipline too. So do you have anybody in your network where I live in North Carolina?
1: <laughs> yeah, North yeah. Carolina is popping for sure. Not me. I don't have anyone off the top of my head, but our members in North Carolina are absolutely crushing it. Yeah, As a matter of fact, you guys... um, have this weird type of insurance. You remember how I said like coverage uh, D could be like 20 to 30 percent? Y'all yeah. have one in North Carolina that's 100 <laughs> percent. Yeah. You're- yeah. So there is some kind of Mac Daddy, Mercedes Benz version of insurance policy that's there. I wrote it down. I can't find it, but I'll find it and I'll let you know. If you ever encounter someone who has that insurance, it's like, yeah, we're going to the Bahamas, my friend. Like, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Set up that family and then treat your family. Yeah. I was like, what is this? So it's it's definitely an industry that not a lot of people are tapping into. That's why we're going to conferences about it. We're learning more and more about it because honestly, I could do this for the rest of my life, you know, helping these people who are displaced. 80% it's not like of natural
0: our... disasters are going to cease to happen, you know? It happens, good times, bad times, is evergreen. It's. You know? ev-
1: read the room, my friends. Real estate investors, short-term rental hostments mentor. read the room. You're absolutely right. I would say 80% of my, um, my guests are coming to us due to uh, accidental disasters. 20% are coming due to natural disasters and can you imagine six million families were displaced from their homes in 2022 according to scientific american six million yeah. due to uh natural disasters so there was there's like a fire not. tornado in louisiana a fire tornado what is that
0: and there's probably not six million rental homes on the market that catered to the midterm rental so that's a it's a Kind of a blue ocean a little bit. So, I mean, that leads me We're we've we've spent a lot of time together. So I really, really appreciate it because I want to talk to you for like two more hours, but I want to be respectful. Um, so now like you're helping other folks learn about this. So you're teaching other folks and you have a course on how to do this, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So we have a course where we not only teach others how to do it, we're auditing your listing we we need the tonality of the listing to speak to this these individuals for those who don't yet have property and they're, they they want to get into short-term rentals, but they're a little bit nervous, um, and but they want to learn more about mid-term rentals. We're talking to them about the different markets to evaluate what are the attributes of the specific states where we're seeing that it's working best. And it's all states except for a couple that have uh, insurance subsidized insurance. Then mm-hmm. we want to go into the city zone market level. You know, what are the markets that are ideal? And then we want to go into the actual property level. What what are the properties that we find are ideal? It works across the board for all areas. I would say with the exception of two types of markets, like if you're an extreme rural area where there's not a lot of homes that you or people to serve, obviously, Mm -hmm. or you live in or you're looking at a market with extreme seasonality where all the homes, for instance, like in Cape May, you know Avalon in New Jersey it's only second homes if it's just all the homes are second homes well it's not going to make sense because they have a primary home so like almost logically thinking through that those are the two markets it wouldn't work in but if you're looking for maximum profitability where you know you could drive the revenue it's going to be those homes that you can set up to be pet friendly and you know the areas that are um, they don't have the lowest I would say you know like you're not looking for the areas that are going to be like the most affordable per se. You want to like look a little bit uh, in the areas that are a little bit of a higher cost area. And, you know, we just map all of that out in our course. And so um, you can find us on shorttermgems.com. I have a learn with Rachel tab on shorttermgems.com and uh, yeah, would look forward to connecting. And from there, we actually are, we just launched a website where we're marketing properties of the, the members that are in our program, you know, on this website, just to give them a little bit more visibility and opportunity um, to get the insurance companies to connect with us. And so that is a, a big passion of ours. It's a win, win, win all around. And I'm all, I'm here for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is so good. My next question was going to be, where can people find you? But, but you answered that and, and how you just finished, like I had a mentor tell me one time, like if you win and somebody else loses, like that's a bad scenario. But a win-win or a win-win-win, like that's how every business interaction should be all the time. Everybody should win in every business interaction. Don't aim to like beat somebody, aim to help them win and and you win at the same time. So I love that love that you think the same way. So just one one more time, short term gem, short term gems.com, right? And Name name the other ways folks can get in touch with you. You got another website, Ellen?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, if they want to go to 75gems.com, 75gems.com, uh-huh. 75gems.com, you'll get the list of my top cities for short-term and mid-term rentals there. And that's a question I get asked all the time, which cities are, would work uh, the best? And I, I have on there some of my favorites so 75gems.com and they'll be able to get a part of our um our emails and you know invitations to join us for classes and and webinars and all of the things. So thank you. Thank you for sharing.
0: Yeah, thank you. This has been an absolute pleasure. Now- and I mean that, like, seriously, I I could talk to you forever. You might have a new student as well, so. Oh, I
1: love it. Let's go, <laughs> this, Mark. <laughs> let's, let's do I was, this. I told you I was going to spill some tea. Look, if that's the free stuff, can you imagine? Yeah, uh-huh. it's, it's an amazing community
0: for sure. We didn't come here to think about winning. We came here to actually do it. Yes, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> this has been great. Thank you so much, Rachel. I really appreciate it.
1: You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. What a pleasure. Thank you, Mark.
0: Thank you for listening and don't forget about the tools available to subscribers. The property manager self-assessment tool, my property upgrade walkthrough list, or the chance to feel like a millionaire for the weekend by checking out one of our own properties in person. It's all available on our website, www.goodendeavorstrshow.com.